What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me again in the host spotlight, Miss Rose Locke. Rose, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. I love you being here with me. I'm so glad you're a part of the rotation. I like to be here. It's very fun. It is super fun. Uh, He's back with us, Senior Pastor Mark Carey. Mark and Mark, how are you doing, my friend? Very good. Good. Thank you. Good. Thank you for being here. Guys, let's jump into a, a Sunday in review, uh, talk through the weekend services here at FBC and, and the series we've been going through. Ruth, uh, Rose, I'm going to come your way first, and then we'll see what Mark has for us. Well, what do you... I'm not sure. I don't, <laughs> I don't really like going first because uh-huh. there's so much. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to know where to start, but I thought music theater reference Sunday was really mm. fun, Mark, because I love music theater, especially those old classics. So That's your um, wheelhouse. Did you want me to and, and sing a, more? Yeah, I kind of... You have like, such a beautiful did. voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't want yeah. him to sing more? Most cultured people okay. did yeah. want me to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uncultured anyway. um, and uncouth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, just, it's such a great series, and it's such mm. a great series on the heels of the other of the of the Jesus storybook, you know, mm. and um, it's so fun to go through these narratives. I feel like and see where the application is because sometimes it's hard, um, at least for a non Bible scholar, to always find those applications there. Mm-hmm. So, I really um, I'm intrigued. I have so many questions. I'm intrigued by the kinsman redeemer and the fact that um, it's referenced so early in the book of Exodus that it, way back in Exodus chapter six. So uh, like I was asking my husband, I'm assuming that Moses had that concept in his head then. And so when he refers to God and writes down God's name in Exodus six, he makes that connection or, I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit inspires him to make that connection, but how mm. cool was that, you know? And then the addition of that kinsman redeemer in um, Ezekiel and all of that pointing to our redeemer of Christ, I just think is just an amazing continued evidence of God and how he works his story and his plan out in everything. And when you miss it, it has to be that you're not asking good questions or that you aren't, um, uh, you are, that you're being blinded to what God is Mm. revealing himself as. And then I have so many questions, Mark, about like, this is the same Naomi who was bitter, you know, and, but yet she knew God's word. And so was she trusting in God's word only when it was to her advantage, which it was in this case, that Ruth would be married and cared for? Or is it that she matured in her walk? Like, there's just a million Mm. things here, you know? So I'm anxious to hear what you're going to say you feel like you left on the cutting room floor. And anyway. You're going to answer each and every one of of these questions. Like, I could ask you questions all day. In 20 seconds. There's a famous line in the uh, movie, Remember the Titans? Mm-hmm. When the two little girls get together to play, or and the 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 um, coach's daughter simply responds by saying, "I." Or no, it was the um, uh, the one daughter said to the other daughter, "I don't care. <laughs> I don't know." Is what I have to say. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when you do with narrative literature, it's narrative. It, that's the mm-hmm. genre. The the and so you're given, I think, a certain freedom to read into. You read behind the lines, and but it's not in there, so you it's speculative. All you can do is kind of guess. Did Naomi, mm. if she knew the word well enough, uh, if she knew that going to Moab 
was out of the land of blessing into the land of paganism, away from the blessing of God, hmm. which was clear in the in the in uh, that Moses had taught. Um, did she go reluctantly? Was she just a submissive wife and all gave her voice to Elimelech and said we shouldn't be doing this, but ended up going. But then she's there for ten years after her husband's dead. So why wouldn't you come right back home? And then why would you encourage the daughter laws to stay in Moab? I mean, so so you read the you got to read behind the lines, between the lines a little bit to kind of mm-hmm. figure out what was going on with Naomi. That now she got excited in chapter two, verse twenty. He's he's a near relative. In fact, he is a goel. And and there was chapter three. She clearly knew hmm. the law of the kinsman redeemer of the Leverett marriage and all these laws in the in from the Pentateuch. So was that new to her? Had she reengaged in that? The other question is, how long did all this, from the time they got back, did all this take place? And I don't think it was a very long time because they're destitute. Hmm. What what food they may have brought back with them was running out. I mean, Ruth had to get up and go glean. And so I, I would think it would be days almost after they returned back from Moab. So these, these what what Naomi knew and when did she know it, uh, we, we don't, <laughs> don't know. know. All we can When's do the is... last time you watched Remember the Titans? Because that was a deep, that was a deep track. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that was probably a year ago. Okay, there yeah. you go. It's interesting. Or maybe last yeah. fall. Yeah, it's a great okay. movie. It is a good movie. Yeah, Very good movie. True story. Yeah, I I appreciated the, the the raw reality of the narrative and just how like silly it is at times too. Like it's just so cool to. I, I appreciated the pace at which and just almost the here's what happened at which you read through Ruth three because it, it. I mean, it's a little silly. It's a little crazy the way it kind of all you know comes together. But it's so cool to see that's the kind of stuff. The Lord's going to work through, yeah. uh, and and we have moments in our life where it's like, what in the world is going on? But it's just like that. Even your question on what was Naomi? How could she be so different and act so different now compared to then? Man, I bet if I look back at my life between weeks, I'm like, holy yeah. smokes, Caleb, what were you doing then compared to now? And it, it speaks to that importance of yeah. it came up in our pastoral staff meeting this morning. The the, the circular pattern of discipleship and just hopefully being immersed to where... And the idea of spiritual growth. And mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. the idea that we we know things... I know things about God today, and hopefully I'll know more about God six weeks from now. Hmm. Or really, hopefully I'll know more about God tomorrow than I do today because I'm seeking after Him. And I think that that may be evident or something we can learn from Naomi herself because mm-hmm. she... She returned to God's people. She now had God's word and God's people speaking into her. And now she was watching for where God was working. Yeah. And I think that I think that's part of this paradox because then the other thing that I think your sermon brought up, Mark, is that beautiful paradox of God being sovereign, but us not being passive, right? And so I think all of this is part of that, where we watch where God works and then where God is moving and we join him there yeah. because we're getting to learn and know who he is more. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful. You t- take take that line of thinking with Naomi back in the land of blessing and, and, and back being around God's people and stuff. Again, the text, the story isn't doesn't tell us. We can only guess, but as a general principle, if we find ourselves predominantly living in the land of Moab, 
metaphorically speaking, in the land of worldliness, in the in the land of being bombarded by worldly thinking, hmm. and and, so, and we have to. That's where we work, you know, at very things, you know. Sadly, even though we don't have to, it's our choice. Much of our leisure is that we, whether it's the movies we watch or the Netflix series we watch, uh, and to think that that doesn't have an impact on us, um, our kids in schools or with playing with their friends that have no maybe sense of a of a biblical. There's no worldview that is mm. shaping that, other than what they hear at home or you know in Sunday school or something like that, which is can be minimal at times. Mm -hmm. To think that that doesn't impact us is incredibly naive. Mm. Naomi comes back to the land of blessing, and again we don't know, but just being in that land of blessing around God's people, where the Torah is heard, where you know, mm. even though this is the time of the judges. Um, there is there is something different, and we need to make sure we're in. Um, we we are placing ourselves in environments where a biblical and Christian worldview is mm -hmm. being shared. And um, you know, I, I, I going back to the the Supreme Court ruling that took place last Friday, and we alluded to it a little bit, but. You know, there, there are Christians who are saying, oh, I don't know if that was such a good ruling. You know, it's going to cause this problem. It's just like, what? Hmm. Where, it's almost like I'm shocked because there, where, where's the biblical worldview thinking? that? And so, I, yeah, for 10 years, Naomi is in that land of Moab. The fact that maybe very quickly she came back and started thinking about, wait a minute, God has made provision here. Hmm. We don't have to live in poverty like this because he's a goel. And I was going to ask that question, um, and I didn't have time myself to dig into it at all, but one of the questions that came to my mind was, was this idea of kinsman redeemer, is it is it an idea that we see um, throughout other cultures, or is it mm. truly unique to God's word? So in other words, in the land of Moab, would that have been similar? And my suspicion is it would not, because it comes from a heart of God who loves people and loves family. And so my suspicion, although I, I will spend some time on it if I have the opportunity yeah, yeah. to know that, because maybe part of that is that exact real, realization, Mark, that we've come from a land where that is not a provision that exists, and now we're mm. in a land where it does. So again, it's a growth in her understanding of who this God is that has chosen her people, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I googled Kinsman Redeemer. It's just a video of Mark Carey singing, so I, there's not <laughs> a whole lot going on. Yeah. I, I mean, there is, there are um, cultures in in of uh, the, the clannish cultures mm. where of a clan there is a uh, throughout history human history the idea of clans and and uh, you you see it in our modern day culture even when there are um, when there are cultural uh, um, wars this clan against that clan there was once Czechoslovakia and now there's Slovenia mm. you know the Czech Republic there was uh, Yugoslavia you know that's mm -hmm. where the, it, the, the people can be are are very there is a territorialness and a clannishness. I may not like you, a Mac. In fact, that I may hate you. But if you're a Hatfield, I'll we'll shoot mm -hmm. the McCoys anytime we mm -hmm. see them. So I mean, there. So there is mm -hmm. something 
in the fall of man, mm. I think in the sinful nature of man that ties to, that, that helps us wrap our identity. When you're born in sin and we've been created in the image of God, that's where God has, has um, designed us to find our identity. But because of sin, we're alienated from God. We've got to find an identity somewhere. So I'll find it in my, oh, I'm from Nebraska. I'm a Cornhusker. Mm. You know, Don DeNartog was an Iowa Hawkeye, you know, a pox upon him. Or mm. John Morrison was a, I'm so glad they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> you know? No, but. Um, Not even here to defend themselves. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so there is, I think, there is something in the human heart of fallenness that we, we wrap mm -hmm. ourselves in an identity. Now, what God did in these kinsman redeemer laws, it was out of kindness. It was out of grace. Yeah. And, um. You know, there, there's other laws in the Old Testament, like the um, the law, the Jubilee, that every 50 years, the land reverted back to. So mm. a person tied to the land was very important in, in the uh, uh, ancient Israel culture. They want to check on this, would check up on this too for us would be uh, Christy Vocal. Uh, mm -hmm. to see if she's got some background information on that too, as our Old Testament yeah. Well, because my husband even asked me the question, um, in that word, go L, the L has a, has a Lord, has a God, right, mm -hmm. connotation in it. So was that really, um, and it was first, like, as you pointed out, Exodus 6, 6, it was applied to God in that context. So is, is, it's unusual that a name of God would be applied to a human being action. And so my husband was asking me about that. And my response was, well, we'll have to ask Christy. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> I said, I'll certainly, ask Mark Carey, but he'll probably say ask Christy. Certainly the concept of redeemer is foreign <laughs> in, uh, other, Cos, uh, cosmologies yeah. and worldviews and and uh, Big time. religions. Yeah. So th the fact that God would, um, in love, set up a means by which He can redeem the people can be redeemed and and so everything in that Old Testament culture, the sacrificial systems, these laws, of, laws of the kinsman redeemer, elaborate marriage, all these things that God's at the feasts, they all do point back. God is trying to. Yeah get everybody's attention in, in Israel saying, this is who I am. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I am a God of grace and mercy. Yeah. I'm a compassionate God. Yeah. And it goes back to Naomi remembering, in a sense, remembering who God is. Yes. Whether she remembered before she left the land, whether she remembered just when she came back or remembered just before right. this event. Yep. It's all that she remembered who God was based on her knowledge of his work. And something you know? was passed on to Ruth hmm. because she embraces this. And she's, she's very trusting of Naomi. All that you've said I'll do was how, how familiar was she with these laws of the, you know, the Leverett marriage of these, we, we she, might, might've been the first time she heard it, but it was like, okay, well, whatever you say, I'll do it. And she, you know, she was a very she walked um, by compliant. Faith, she walked by faith. Which was your application. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's fun and to go through it. Faith. Mark mentioned last week on the podcast, how, all of the Bibles inspired by God, and we mentioned a, a few trends nowadays where a lot of churches or speakers will shy away from the Old Testament and just maybe hone in on the New Testament. And say, ah, you know, don't don't focus on that. But it is all inspired by God and beneficial, profitable, even yeah. according to Second Timothy three. And so, what what can be a discouraging question, and I've experienced discouragement, especially growing up in church, and 
what does this have to do with me? I would, I would ask myself that as I'm reading the Old Testament and think that's a discouraging question to ask, but it's actually a very encouraging, what does this have to do with me, Lord? Because mm-hmm. it's in here, mm-hmm. and it didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And, and when we, we can approach a story like Ruth like that, it's just, I don't know, it's exciting to go through it as a congregation because you, you are learning a lot about the narrative in the context as well. To, to fully appreciate Ruth, we got to understand Judges, and, and it just ties in together well. So I appreciated that. But the, um, uh, the, the other person, of course, to focus on in, in all these chapters is the Boaz mm-hmm. person. And, and next week, we'll, there, this final sermon, the so final one more. installment in, okay. in Ruth chapter 4, I'll bring that out a little bit more um, of, of what his role was and the requirements that had to be met to function as a kinsman redeemer hmm. and how Jesus Christ, how he is, uh, he is a type of Christ. And I don't know if I'll have time to go into typology and all that, hmm. but, um, but he is a type of hmm. Christ. And that's purposeful. That's built in into the inspired scriptures. Um, um, no. Well, in the way that the fact that that Ruth was not, she was not an Israelite. Do you know what I mean? And right. he still, in essence, saves her from starvation, and you know, saves the line of the Messiah. Actually, right yeah. is what we're going to learn. Um, to me, that's just a beautiful picture for the mm. Jews as well as for us about what Christ is going to do. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I well, well, we'll get to that next week yeah. because <laughs> it refers to Tamar, and and yeah. uh, I'm going to talk probably a little bit about even Boaz's own mother and some some things in there. But um, yeah, a sovereign God working out His providential care and plans, he, working all things out on the counsel of His will. Um. To its consummated end uh, of fulfilling His divine plan for the ages, and um, this little four-chapter Old Testament story um, mm-hmm. fits into that. And it's you got all this background of Old Testament uh, uh, history and and uh, the laws of the Pentateuch, and all that plays into it. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a fun story. I. I I brought out also going back to the the life of, of Ruth and the woman of faith that she was. The last verse in verse 18 of chapter 3 where it's kind of fun to see how Naomi tells Ruth, who's done nothing but exemplify faith. She tells basically Ruth, have faith, sit tight, wait, just wait. Yeah, you wonder who she's talking to. Yeah, <laughs> is she talking to herself, or is she really mm. talking? to Well, that's Ruth, a good point know? because she's so excited about this thing, you know. And speaking of John Morrison, I kind of I, I wouldn't ever uh, expect to um, mimic him, but if he were preaching this passage, could you just hear him going to the the the, the Jewish mother uh, <laughs> statements that he would make, you know, and yeah. that the. Uh, that little accent that he would put in there. Uh, clearly, Naomi, her heart is pumping. She mm. She's excited about this thing. Mm. Yeah, is she talking to herself? Just sit tight, Ruth, but probably I'm talking to myself, Naomi. Mm. And and that's, yeah. that's there's so much instruction in that for mm. us. Well, and I can think of times in my life where 
I have, I've been trying to figure out the next step or how to make the next decision. Mm. And then I start to see God doing something like an opportunity presents itself. And I've had the same kind of, there it is. There's the opportunity I've been looking for. So I can put myself in, in Naomi's shoes where you can see what God's doing, but then you have to sit back and patiently allow God mm-hmm. to do it, you yeah. know? It seems like nothing and, is <laughs> is always real simple and easy. There's mm-hmm. always, as I said, a flag thrown on the play. Mm-hmm. There's always another closer relative and what, what's going to happen there. Um, it adds to the drama and tension of the story, but that's just real life. Yeah, Nothing sure. goes the way well, And we I even scripted. wrote that down in my notes from... <laughs> this weekend is that's a great quote flags are faith builders hmm. um I, I think that's uh i think that's really true because i think when we look back in our lives and we see i mean you're using the word flag for an obstacle right, right. so when when we see that there was an obstacle placed in front of us or there was an obstacle placed in front of what god was going to do and then we see god remove that obstacle that builds our faith because we look back and we see god did this yeah. Um, so I thought that was a really great flags or faith builders. The interesting thing is the story would have ended just the same. You know, Boaz and Ruth getting together and, you know, mm. the divinic lineage intact and all that stuff without that little drama yeah. of someone else. Oh, wait, let's see. Yeah. yeah. So so why, why did God mm. need to put that into this? Why did he have to mm. throw the wrench of that into that? Mm-hmm. Other than... I think, not, and that's where we think applicationally, other than mm-hmm. helping us realize that there are obstacles in life and there will always be obstacles in life. But one of the things you said, Mark, when you said, you said flags are faith builders, and then you said when flags are thrown on the play, basically we are forced to trust the Lord. And so I think part of that is it's for our good so that we are placed in a position where we realize we can't, she could not do it herself. She saw, Mm. she saw what she thought God was going to do, but Naomi could not make that happen. The only thing she could do was trust. Sit tight. And sit tight. And yep. and that, in a sense, we hope, built her faith yep. and taught her how to be still before the Lord yep. and to be still and know that he was God and that it was his plan and his purposes that were being hmm. yeah, worked it, out. It's, it, um, in, in the very first verse of chapter three, and I, and this is, wasn't mentioned in the sermon, it was on the cutting floor, but, you know, Naomi, uh, it says Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, to Ruth, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you? And some of the translations say rest. It's a different word than, than there in verse 18. But the last verse of chapter 3, so Naomi in verse 1 is saying, I am going to seek for your rest. Should I not do that? And she concocts this plan. The last verse of chapter 3 is, we need to sit tight and rest <laughs> um, and and see how this turns out. Um for Boaz will not rest until this yes. is settled. So again, here's Naomi um, based on her knowledge of the word. So that I, I don't falter. She's concocting his plan. She's using, as I said, her brain to, it's not a passive mm-hmm. faith. She's going to say, okay, this is what the word says. Um, here's how we can conduct that. But God always brings us up a little short. And so that we conclude our thoughts chapter three of our life by saying, hey, we got to sit tight and let our Boaz, yeah. let our kinsman redeemer, he'll figure it out. 
And I think that's one of the things that came out from your sermon and from my time in this chapter, at least to me personally, Mark, was this whole, this paradox of, you know, we, we, we get to know God, we learn his word, we walk in that, but at the same time, we rest in his plans and his purposes. And I think, um, I think that's one of the hardest things about God's sovereignty and about walking out our faith, yeah. frankly, is, and mm. I say that about parenting sometimes, the hardest thing to me about parenting is knowing when to make my child do something and knowing when to let my child decide. Yeah. Mm. And I think that that's true of our Christian walk as well. It's it, knowing when we are to act and when we are to rest and that those two things somehow work hand in hand that's together. Right. I, I'd mentioned Francis Schaeffer. I, I don't think I mentioned the book, but it's his book. True spirituality, which probably came out in the 60s. I remember reading it in college. But it's where he uses the story of Mary when Gabriel comes to her. And, you know, you're going to bear the Christ child, you know. And she responds by saying, be it done unto me according to your will. And Francis Schaeffer brings out this concept of active passivity. Here I am. Be it done unto me according to your will. But, I, you know, she had to rest in that. Um, but she also had to be the mother and, and move forward with it. So there's that active passivity in the Christian life. And it's finding the balance of that. That mm-hmm. is so crucial. They're all tied together. Uh, I brought out Philippians mm-hmm. 2, 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and troubling, for it's God who is at work in you, both the will and do. Well, if God's working in me, both the will and the do, why do I need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling? Because it calls me to what he said yeah that's what he said (laughs) and um there there is this um um there is there is this sense of obedience that is you find in the scriptures um jesus said if you love me you'll you'll keep my commandments and you, you know if you obey me but we can't do that apart from his enabling grace so there is this active, okay, I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to do the next right thing. I'm going to spend time with you or whatever it might be. But we have that constant mentality, but I cannot do this in my own. I've got to well, appropriate your grace. And I think sometimes God puts that flag on the play when we have gone too far in one right. ditch. That's so right. when we have gone too far in the, like, I'm going, I am going to accomplish this, God puts that flag in front of us. Mm-hmm. And that that burden or that barrier that says, no, I'm going to accomplish this. So I think it's God helping us. That's right. And and that would be, that would have been, that could have been another sermon maybe from Ruth three. She starts, as I pointed out in verse one, is it not right for me to seek your your security, your rest? I'm going to do this. And so she concocts Mm -hmm. a plan. Well, in our humanness, we can run with that. Oh, it went well. Okay. Well, here's what you go do next. But God threw the flag and so we end the chapter <clears throat> with her saying, we need to sit tight. So even mm-hmm. Ruth was, or Naomi was learning that or exp- expressing that very thing. There's a ditch on either side. She might have fallen into the ditch of too much activity. Uh, the flag was thrown. The obstacle came. God's way of saying, whoa, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm going to cover this. I'm going to do this. And so she reined it back. And she said, okay, let's, let's sit tight mm-hmm. and see what happens. And to her credit, she didn't bite her fingernails and figure out, oh my, and panic. She said, and then try to manipulate. She didn't. She and didn't go try. Right. She didn't go try to find that other relative herself. That's right. Mm-hmm. She didn't. Um, she she didn't manipulate. She yeah. sat and waited. Yeah, yeah. 
So there, there's there, there's so many good things mm -hmm. in this. Uh, I'm I'm curious how it, the, the small groups, the community groups who use uh, the sermons oh, yeah. in their discussion. What I bet there has been great discussions as they oh, um, for, and, and wrestle over it, I, ask each other questions about God's sovereignty, yeah. share your what what are what are your sit tight moments that, that that have come up in your life that that we can glean from and that we can all share because like you said that's that's where application can start from a sermon are you yeah. plugged in are you are you meeting with like-minded people like imaged Christ people that that can talk about it and bring up a context such as this one where yeah he can be glorified in our conversation and then it doesn't feel like 6 days of oh yeah Time to get back. Or and this this became a like this is the kind of thing that I hope people are doing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or like I went home and I talked to my husband about it. Like, mm. what did you think about this, Roger? And isn't it interesting that it was Exodus six six? And mm. so we begin to have conversation about God's word and what we've heard in God's word, and then we begin to see, oh, I can apply it here, or I can apply it there, or it doesn't apply there, and have right. other people speak into us in that. That's really right. important. That's right, and that's. That's where real spiritual growth takes place. That's true discipleship, and um, mm. um, that's how a church grows. Not numerically, we're talking about spiritually, and that's that's why we're here. It's mm. awesome, guys. Thank you both for being here. You didn't Good speak conversation. Very much, Caleb. Like, what? Do you, what uh, hey, do you sense hey, you, you guys have? going back and forth? It was it was wonderful. <laughs> but uh, very very good. As a reminder to our viewers and listeners, you can find us all over the place. Uh, Sermon Spotlight on podcast platforms everywhere. We pop right up. You can subscribe, leave feedback, all that good stuff. Everything else, you can find us at fbcva.org. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. And God bless.